0: You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by
1: N2K.
2: Typically, a tweet will get more than twice as many likes as it will get retweets. I think people have a tendency to see retweets as endorsements, so they're more likely to press like than they are to press retweet.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Hacking Humans podcast. This is the show where each week we look behind the social engineering scams, phishing schemes, and criminal exploits that are making headlines and taking a heavy toll on organizations around the world. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire, and joining me is Joe Kerrigan from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hello, Joe. Howdy, Dave. We've got some fun stories to share this week, and later in the show we have my interview with Andy Patel from F-Secure. He's looking at ways that bots on Twitter are amplifying divisive messages and we are back Joe we've got a couple of bits of follow up this week awesome. and I love follow-up. both of them have to do with our story about Google searches bringing up fake ads yeah that redirect people to scammer sites uh-huh. the first one came from a listener named Tim He wrote in and he said, uh, just listen to your Hacking Humans podcast. I want to share a small correction regarding the scammers that squat on search results for real company phone numbers. Mm -hmm. They don't just show up in the ads. The fake numbers show up convincingly for most people, even in the organic search results. Right.
0: They're using a service here called search engine optimization, Mm -hmm. which is a service you can pay for that kind of games the system at Google or whatever. Does anybody yeah. use Lycos anymore?
1: I don't know. Uh, Bing, I guess, is out there. Bing, and, yeah, uh, Bing. DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo.
0: And that helps bubble their web page to the top of the search results. Right. And so it's a it, good
1: investment for them to make.
0: Right, because it drives traffic to their scammy numbers.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good clarification. So right. thanks, uh, Tim, for sending that in. It's not just the ads. You need to be wearing uh, the search results. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. We had another listener named Mel write in, and he wrote in to share a similar story to the one we shared. He was looking for a user manual for an old bit of networking hardware that he was trying to use. He did a search, and a phone number came up, and he called, and the person on the other end of the phone was perfectly willing to sell him that user manual. They would send it to him on a CD for 40 bucks or they let him download it for 10 bucks. And uh, I'll pick up here where he wrote it. And he said, I decided to go with the download option. He proceeded to give me a remote desktop support websites address. Uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh-huh. And asked me to give him the number displayed on my screen. At this point, all my spidey senses came rushing in. Right. (laughs) I asked him to give me the download URL and I will download it myself. He proceeded to tell me it was not being that simple, at which point I saw the light that they were a scam operation. Yes. Well, good for Mel for uh, his spidey sense going on. Yeah, those
0: on. websites should be a dead giveaway that mm-hmm. you're talking to somebody. It, what these websites do is they allow somebody to take control of your computer. Let's say our parents call us. We could use these websites to go ahead and help our parents remotely. I have never used these services. Frankly, I have no reason to trust them. I don't use them. But when a scammer wants to take over your computer, this is going to be one of the first things they do. Just let me have remote access to your computer. And right. then it's just like they're sitting at your desk. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially physical access. And we have an old saying: physical access is root access, which essentially means I can do whatever I want. Yeah. So, well, don't good. do that.
1: No, no, absolutely. Well, good for Mel and. Yeah, uh, Mel.
0: Congratulations. You avoided being scammed here. Yeah. Definitely what was going on.
1: Yeah. Good good advice for everybody. Well, let's move on to our stories. I'm going to kick things off this week. I have a story from the CBC out of Canada, uh-huh. and this is from the city of Ottawa, and it's about the city of Ottawa treasurer being tricked into wiring more than $100,000 to yeah. a fraudster. Her name is Miriam Similik, and she got an email from the city manager, whose name is Steve Kanalakos. And the email asked her to pay a city supplier... $97,000. $97,000. Right. She searched the internet for the IT supplier and she assumed that the payment had something to do with updating the Ottawa website. Right. And she had a few back and forth emails with the city manager who was not actually the city manager. Yeah, it this was, was somebody who would compromise the email. It was the scammer. Mm-hmm. And so she wired the money. And then time passes and she receives another email from the city manager. This one asking for $150,000 to go to the same supplier. Mm -hmm. However, this email arrived while they were in the midst of a city council meeting. So she went over and asked the real city manager about the request. Right, And of course he had no idea what she was talking about. Sure. So now the jig is up. But how long had passed between the two oh, oh, not very long. A few okay. days. A few days. It's interesting. She went to the local police. The local police really weren't able to do much. No,
0: they're not going to be able to do anything. You're going to have to go to the the federals here.
1: Right. And the feds did track it down. The money was sent to the United States and it was transferred from bank to bank to bank. But they do think they're going to be able to get it back. Oh, that's good. In this case. Yeah. That's good. I thought it was interesting. A couple things to note here. She made a personal statement, the woman who fell victim to this. She mm-hmm. said, that I... I should be the target and victim of the sophisticated attack has affected me deeply, both professionally and personally. Right. Uh, She's been at this job for 28 years. Mm -hmm. And she takes her responsibility and professional stewardship of taxpayers' money very seriously. Yeah. So uh, you can see how falling for this, that could be a hard hit to someone. Right. Absolutely. Nothing like this has probably ever happened in her career. And
0: now she has fallen victim to a scam that has cost the taxpayers Of Ottawa, was it? Yep. $97,000. Right. She might view that as a breach of trust. I don't know. I'd be so hard on her. This is some malefactor going after you Mm -hmm. because you're an easy target and you're falling for a scam that is not uncommon. And you're falling for it for a large amount, but by no means is this close to the largest amount we've seen.
1: No. Now, it's interesting. The city has taken some measures to avoid this sort of thing in the future. They have enabled automatic warnings when emails come in from an external source. So this was somebody spoofing the email from outside. Who knows? They may have actually gotten into the city manager's actual email account. Mm-hmm. but but this is a good thing, having warnings. When an email comes from an external source, can't hurt. And also, they put in a system in place where no employee has the ability to both create and approve a wire transfer. Right. So that's great. Yes. Got to get a, a second pair of eyes Absolutely. on transferring any money. And also, Absolutely. they are having a mandatory cyber awareness training mm-hmm. for the city staff. Yes. So all good money things. Money well
0: spent. All those things are are excellent. It's good to hear that. I think it's far less likely that the city of Ottawa will have a similar event. I'm not saying it's unlikely. It's just less likely than it was two weeks ago.
1: Yeah, it's a hard lesson to learn and hopefully uh hopefully they'll get most of the money back. I hope they get the money back. All right, well that's my story. Joe, what do you have for us? Well, this week?
0: my my story is kind of similar, but it's actually more of, of a macro look at things. Mm. Lindsay O'Donnell over at Threat Post is talking about the FBI releasing the Internet Crime Report from the Internet Crime Complaint Center. Oh, okay. IC3 yeah. for 2018. And Business email compromise in 2018, which is what we we're talking about in your story, yeah. has cost victims $1.2 billion hmm. in 2018. Okay. And that is up from a paltry $675 million in 2017.
1: So almost doubled. Almost or, doubled.
0: Yeah, wow. Other scams like extortion, tech support fraud, payroll diversion, those kind of things have increased as well. In 2018, the FBI received over 350,000 complaints with total losses exceeding... billion. Wow. That is an average of $7,700 per incident. Now, what is missing from this report and what I'd like to see is the median. Okay. The the average as a mean is just something you can derive from these numbers. Right. But the median, I'd like to know where the median falls in this. And the FBI doesn't publish that. So I'd hmm. like to see that statistic there, folks yeah. over the FBI, if you're listening.
1: <laughs> I'm sure they'll get right on it right. for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, <what's that? laughs>
0: um, but here's what's interesting. In 2017, the total loss was half of that, like $1.4 But the amount of complaints was still 300000 So kind of close. Meaning that the average amount lost has gone from 4,600 in 2017 up to 7,700 in 2018. Hmm. Which means these criminals are realizing that these things work. Yeah. And they're going after bigger amounts.
1: So they're getting bigger hits. They're getting bigger hits. Okay. Yep. Business
0: email compromise is growing. And we heard about that story yeah. that you just told. Also, personal accounts are being compromised. Vendor emails are being compromised. Spoofed lawyer emails, requests for W-2s. And we've talked about this before, the targeting of the real estate sector.
1: Right. 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 Because mm-hmm. that's a
0: place where a lot of money changes hands. Big money. Yeah. Big money. And... People are really focused, not so much on security, and it's a very dispersed, and there's not a lot of control over the environment in, in brokerage offices and yeah. things of that
1: nature. And that's a that's a disorienting day, the day you buy a house. Yes, it is. There's just a lot going on. Yes, it so is. So you can understand, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. My policy on this is if you're going to buy a house or sell a house, that you tell everybody up front, I'm not wire transferring anything. Mm. I will have cashier's checks for everything that's going to happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay? Mm-hmm. That way, you can't get... Scammed by somebody saying, right. "Okay, here's the new <laughs> details for
1: the account to wire the money to." <laughs> I'm going to wheel in a wheelbarrow full of rolled quarters. Right. <laughs> to buy this house. Yeah, How about you
0: couldn't lift a wheelbarrow. Full
1: of rolled quarters? <laughs> Probably, not. I don't know. Probably not. Goals, Joe. Goals. Goals. Right. <laughs>
0: Gift cards are a big part of the scam. I was talking at an event with the Cash Campaign of Maryland a couple days ago. Hmm, What's that? That's a group of people that provide services to low and and middle income people here in Maryland. And they provide like financial advising services and and tax preparation. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. And they help people start small businesses as well. Oh, nice. Which is great. But one of the things I said that they should know and that everybody they work with should know is that when somebody is asking for some kind of payment in gift cards, that is a scam. That mm-hmm. should be a huge red flag. I mean, there there should just be red flags everywhere whenever somebody says, hey, you can pay me with gift cards or I need you to pick up gift cards. Nobody accepts gift cards as a form of payment. Right. So, Lindsey O'Donnell talked to a researcher from Agari, and he said that the gift card scam usually nets about 70% of the value of the gift card in Bitcoin, hmm. which I think is an impressive amount. I mean, if I scam somebody out of $100 and I get $70 for that, that's- pretty good return on my scam, I would think. I would thought it would have been
1: less. So the cost of the, I guess, the laundering of the money, the conversion to Bitcoin is about 30%. 30%. Interesting.
0: The FBI report talks about ages as well.
1: Okay, Let's talk
0: about that. Who do you think was the biggest target and lost the most money, if you were going to
1: pick an age group? Uh, Off the top of my head, I would say the elderly. That's right. 60 plus. I thought
0: about why is that the case? And the answer is they're actually People with the most money, I think. The other problem is they're also the most vulnerable. If you're a scammer and you're fortunate enough to get a hold of somebody who has like the beginning part of dementia and may not even be aware of it, they may not have been diagnosed with it. Right. I'm sure you can clean that person out. Yeah, that makes you successful, but that also makes you a horrible person. Yeah. Yeah. The FBI report, we'll put a link in the show notes. It's an interesting report, a lot of statistics. I'd like to see the median. I really would.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll send out the bat signal to the FBI. I'm sure they'll get right on that for you, Joe. <laughs> I know they're over <laughs> there right now. So with many them. listeners to our show from the FBI. All right. Well, good story. It's time to move on to our catch of the day. Joe, our catch of the day this week comes from a listener named Ian. And Ian uses a dating app called Grindr. Uh-huh. Are you familiar with Grinder, Joe? I know what it is. All right. Well, Grinder is an app for men who are looking for dates with other men. Yep. And apparently it has not escaped the attention of scammers. Mm-hmm. And Ian sent us a transcript of a chat session that he had with someone who reached out to him looking for a date on Grinder. Now, before we dig in here, Joe, are you familiar with the term sugar daddy?
0: Yes. I think I'm familiar with it. What do you suppose it is? So if... If I'm someone's sugar daddy, then right, I buy them a lot of nice things,
1: right. You take care of them, yes. You look out for them, right. You're someone who's well off, who a person of means, a person of means, yes. And you're looking, I suppose, in, the, in a dating situation, you'd be looking for companionship, right. In exchange for that companionship, you would be able to provide diamonds, and all the all the comforts of easy living for that person, yes. So, Joe, you're going to play the part of Ian, okay. who is Our the person. Listener. He he's, he's the one who sent it in, right. And I will be Daddy Kevin, the person who's trying to scam Ian. And and it seems like Ian was onto the scam pretty quickly. And it goes like this. Hi, how are you doing today?
0: I'm good, thanks. How are you, sir? Great.
1: What are you looking for? Whatever, really. I don't have high expectations here. What about you? Looking for a sugar baby who's going to be honest and straightforward. And I'm going to take good care of him with my money and care. I don't need the money, but I'm all about the care. Okay. Can you run errands for me? Yeah, sure. Like what? Like getting me Apple Store gift cards, and I'm going to be paying you $200 as your daily allowance. Honey, I have an online investment, so I change Apple gift cards to Bitcoin to invest on it, honey. I have so much on the investment, and I can't afford to lose so much dollars at this point. Yeah, how can I help you out, Daddy? As a sugar daddy, my main responsibility is making sure you're financially stable, so I'll be giving you an allowance of $200 every four days, which will make about $1,000 every month. I guess that's okay by you. What institution do you bank with? Deutsche. That works for me. German bank? Of course. They are
0: good at hiding money. Don't worry, the FBI won't find out.
1: (laughs) And that's where it ends. So clearly, uh, Ian was on to this pretty much from the get go. I I would say the part with the Apple Store gift cards probably tipped him off.
0: Right. Or probably just being approached by somebody who says they want to be a sugar daddy, right? Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah. Well, interesting, too, that I mean, along with this, as these things happen, came some photos of, I got to say, a a very handsome, dashing looking man. Yeah,
0: this is not the guy sending you the pictures
1: or sending you the messages. Uh, Willing to bet it's not. Right. (laughs) So, all right. Well, that is our catch of the day. Thanks to, Ian for uh, sending us in that's a fun one. Coming up next, we've got my interview with Andy Patel from F Secure. He looked into ways that bots on Twitter are amplifying divisive messages. And we are back, Joe. I recently had the pleasure of speaking with Andy Patel. He is a researcher over at security company F Secure. And he's done some really interesting work looking into the ways that bots on Twitter are being used to amplify divisive messages. Here's my talk with Andy Patel.
2: I saw a couple of troll accounts while I was browsing through uh, probably a search of Brexit. And I, and I had a look at the account and then I started having a look at who was following the account. And I sort of noticed a lot more of these very new Some like egg accounts, lots of descriptions looked similar in certain ways and um, lots of use of similar hashtags. So I had this idea to just sort of crawl that space, seed my crawler with a couple of these nobody accounts that I saw actually trolling. And just as I crawled the accounts that were following those, I would just add to the queue anything that matched certain keywords and self-identified within this group. So it's basically like hashtags and and things in the description field or in the name field. I let that crawler run for a couple of days and it identified about 250,000 accounts and all the details of those. So once I had that, obviously that's a lot of accounts. So I decided to filter it in different ways. And I actually found about 2,000 accounts that were really new. So they were created in March. Actually, I did this research right at the end of March. So they were created in March of 2019 or after. And I decided to just see what these accounts were doing. So Twitter has a streaming API call where you can give it a list of account IDs and it will follow those accounts. It will return you any tweet that those accounts publish or any tweet where those accounts are mentioned. So I left that running for a couple of days to see what those accounts were doing. And it turned out that they were actually heavily amplifying just a few other accounts, which were also very new. Well, they were actually amplifying a lot of sort of big name pro-Brexit and like sort of US right-wing accounts. But if you strip those away, and again, I just looked at which accounts they were amplifying that were new. I found a small handful, I think dozen or so, that included like an account that was pretending to be somehow affiliated with UKIP and accounts that had, you know, within the few weeks of, of them being alive, tweeted 10,000 times and uh, stuff like that. So it was to me pretty obvious that these are like non-authentic behaviors. And so I just decided to write it up um, and it made it sort of an interesting bit of research.
1: With the filtering that you did here, what did these accounts have in common? Do they come from the same source? Are they retweeting each other? Is it a circular type of thing? What patterns came out of your research?
2: Those accounts that were being amplified, to be honest, a lot of the very new accounts in that list were mostly just retweeting. If you looked at the 2,000 accounts themselves, out of the last 200 tweets, they published you know, 190 or more would be retweets. Certainly, many of those 2000 accounts were publishing original tweets, meaning that to a certain extent, they were being controlled by actual human operators.
1: Was there anything that came out of your research that was particularly surprising?
2: I was actually surprised about the whole thing to be honest you know it's a lot of hit and miss trying to understand how to see underneath the most amplified content on the platform if i collect a stream of tweets and then look at the data i'm gonna like count things i'm gonna count okay how many times did i see this hashtag how many times did i see this user tweeting how many times was this user retweeted or replied to or quoted or mentioned and of course those lists are very long if you if you collect data even for a day or two it's sort of impossible to look through the whole list. So what I tend to do is just list the top 50. something but that's sort of the top of everything so there you'll see the big celebrities getting tweeted a lot you'll see the accounts that are very very active that retweet a lot you'll see accounts that are very very active and just publish a lot of tweets typically quite similar list to those that retweet and very different to that list of accounts that get amplified but like to sort of get underneath that that top layer to get to that second layer that's why i sort of talked about hidden amplification because it's it's like amplification underneath the regular amplification that you see.
1: What's your advice for people who are out there uh, trying to use a platform like Twitter in good faith? Are there any red flags in terms of engagement for folks to know if they're dealing with a real person on the other end or if it's uh, one of these people, systems bots, whatever, they're trying to just amplify things?
2: Yeah, that requires some diligence. It, it requires that if you see something clickbaity, and exciting that you actually check other sources to see if it's true. Look at the account itself. Look at, you know, when it was created. Look at for signs that it looks, you know, that it might be a bit suspicious, like having published tens of thousands of tweets or, you know, scroll down its timeline, see if it's all just retweets. There are lots of ways of you know just eyeballing an account and sort of getting an idea of how valid it is how real it is. And the problem is that a vast majority of the accounts you'll find on the platform are a little bit dodgy looking. Obviously, yeah, when you come to how you follow accounts, I tend to keep my following list fairly short because I don't want to be inundated with the wrong kind of content. I want to get like a broad cross-section of like different topics. And so what I'll do sometimes is unfollow some accounts and follow some others just to get the balance right. But I don't like automatically follow back any account that follows me. And I know that that might be a tendency at the very beginning when you you first join, but there are plenty of these automated accounts that actually just randomly follow new users in hopes that those users will follow them back. And if you are a new user, you might be like, oh, thanks for following, I'll follow you back. You know, I need to up my follower count. Right. And those might be, you know, things like porn bots and stuff like that. And they'll eventually unfollow you anyway, so there's no point in following them back. But that's one mechanism for those accounts to build up followers and start to look more legitimate. I tend to look for the verified tick next to accounts that are um, labeling themselves as news sources. Hmm. And that way you're going to get the the BBC's and and The Guardian and and actual real news sources. There are plenty of Twitter accounts that make themselves look like news sources. But then if you look at the actual username, it has numbers at the end of it or it's in some way
1: odd. They try to inject this emotional component to get a reaction from you.
2: Yeah. Lots of people share clickbaity headlines, even if they didn't read the article, I think that's you know, a given, and and most people know that. But also, I mean, there has been a tendency for high profile Twitter users to share information that wasn't properly fact checked. I'll put Mm. it that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And of course, you know, those accounts have plenty of followers. And those followers are probably just going to retweet that. And sooner or later, you'll see that whole thing amplified. And if you see a, a tweet with hundreds or thousands of retweets and likes, you might think it's real without actually noticing that it's an account that somehow engineered those retweets and likes. Typically, a tweet will get more than twice as many likes as it will get retweets. I think people have a tendency to see retweets as endorsements. So they're more likely to press like than they are to press retweet. Joe, what do you think? Lots of stuff going on there,
0: huh? Yeah, uh, Dave, if you get your news from social media, you are being played. Okay. Right? This is one of one of the things I, I evangelize about. Yeah. Regardless of the side of the aisle on, the point of these bots is to sow discord in the target country. Right. There are Russian bots on the left and the right, and the point is just to make us hate each other more.
1: Yeah. That's all they're trying to do. Taking advantage of the bubbles that we've created. Exactly. Within these social media platforms. And that,
0: that's an excellent point because that's my next point. The, mm. the social media companies are no help at all. The Mm. Wall Street Journal has a great tool called Blue Feed, Red Feed. Mm. Check that out. Okay. Because it takes current issues, and I didn't realize this, this tool has current issues and current posts from people from a left-leaning person and a right-leaning person. Oh, interesting. Because you've got to think about what their business model is. Their business model is based entirely on views. If they show you something that you disagree with, you're going to get angry and turn it off, and they're not going to make money.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. That's...
0: what the root of this problem
1: is. Yeah, yeah. When it
0: comes to political discourse, Facebook is little more than a political echo chamber and Twitter is a spite filled dumpster
1: fire. <laughs> don't hold back, Joe. Tell us how you really feel. This is how I feel about <laughs> both these places. OK. All the right.
0: Suggestion to follow only real news services on Twitter. I don't even recommend that. Don't follow any political stuff on Twitter. Don't get your political news from Twitter. Don't get it from Facebook. Go directly to the sources. Whatever source you trust and you know has journalistic integrity, and that's incumbent upon you, dear listener, to figure out which site has journalistic integrity. Mm -hmm. How do you avoid it? Like I say, just consider all this stuff garbage. Don't even look at it. You know people like this and on Facebook and Twitter that share political stuff. And you, oh, yeah. You get, oh, there they go again. Yeah. I yeah. can think of one person right now, when I think of who on the left does this, I have one friend that's always posting anti-Trump stuff. Yeah. When I think of who on the right, I got another friend that's always posting pro-Trump stuff. Right. right you know, I don't right. want to hear that on Facebook. Sorry. Yeah. And I've just taken to, when I'm feeling a little bit punchy, I just start responding, don't get your political news from Facebook, don't get your political news from <laughs> Facebook, don't get your political news, just a, and bigger and bolder letters.
1: Wow. Right? You get really getting wound up here. Yeah, Charlie. I am. I mean, <laughs> this really frustrates me.
0: It's not productive. Yeah. All right. Uh, I like his I like his suggestion, never follow a hot rando. Because <laughs> why are they contacting you? That, yeah. that happens to me on Twitter and Instagram from mm-hmm. time to time. His research all focuses on Twitter, and I didn't talk much about Twitter in my rant here. Mm-hmm. But it happens on all these social media platforms. My Twitter presence is is not that big, so I don't see a lot of this. But yeah, don't follow people back just because they followed you.
1: Yeah, follow people because you think they're interesting. Right, exactly. Yeah. Thanks to the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute for their participation. You can learn more at isi.jhu.edu. The Hacking Humans podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of DataTribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our coordinating producer is Jennifer Iben. Our editor is John Petrick. Technical editor is Chris Russell. Our staff writer is Tim Nodar. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Bittner. And I'm Joe Kerrigan. Thanks for listening.